um, this week, every day, but Monday or Tuesday is when he gave me this vision. And in this vision, I'm sitting, you know, just spending time with the Lord. And um, I saw a bonfire, just random bonfire right in front of me. And I saw the Lord's hand putting sticks in the fire. Just kept on putting these sticks in the fire to be burned. And I heard God say, keep coming to me like this, and I will put fuel on the fire. The more fuel you put on the fire, the bigger and the brighter you will burn. The more of my presence and my glory will fill your life, will fill your ministry. You know, he's talking to me, but, but, you know, he's talking to you. Amen. When he talks to me, he, he tells me to give it to you. And so there's a bonfire. Each one of us have a fire that burns on the inside of us for the Lord. You know, each one of us has a lamp that's supposed to be shining brightly for this world to see. But how bright is your fire? You know, and we're talking about uh, throwing things in the fire this morning to be burned. And, and I didn't even, you know, what the Lord was talking to me about was, was getting into his presence and letting him fill me, you know, letting him fill me with his fresh oil to, to see that fire burn. But this is a whole nother way to burn the fires, get, getting rid of the things and throwing those in the fire and having the fire burn brightly. Amen. So he says, keep coming to me. I was spending time in his presence, soaking in his presence. Get, I, I spent, I don't know, maybe three, four, five songs worshiping him and, and, and just praising him and worshiping him. And I felt his presence come into the room. And I just sat there quietly at the throne room of God. And all of a sudden I saw that bonfire and he said, keep spending time with me like this and I will put more fuel on the fire. It will become bigger it will become brighter. You'll burn brighter. More of my presence with more of my glory in your life. Who wants that? We all want that. I believe that's why you come to church, is you want to burn for the Lord. You want, you want to do what God's called you to do. And guess what? He told us all to go out into all the world and preach the gospel. But the thing is, is we're not going to be um, as successful as we could be if we were burning bright. Amen. And so I'd like to, the Lord used that word fuel, so I just want to look at the, the definition of it. We all probably know. But um, it's any material such as coal or gas or oil that is burned to produce a bigger heat or power. So when you get into God's presence and you let him fill you up with his spirit, he pours on the fire that's already there, right? We got the fire of God in us. He burns, uh, he he throws on it more fuel, more oil of his spirit, more coal to ignite that fire so that it burns brighter. Amen? In Proverbs 4.18, this is how it's supposed to be for you and I. He says, but the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn. It shines brighter. This is the way it should be. Brighter and brighter until it reaches its full strength and glory until that perfect day. Jesus was supposed to be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters shining his light. <laughs> People were following him all over the place. We recently watched the latest episode of um, The Chosen, 
And, I mean, the, the news was spreading fast, and they didn't have the Internet. They didn't have people doing stories about what was going on. This was word of mouth, raw word of mouth. Now, things could, you know, happen pretty quickly now that we do have social media and stuff. But, but this was people coming to watch Jesus burn, to reveal to the world God. And we're to be just like him. Christ-like, manifest children of God. Amen? In Proverbs, um, in Proverbs, oh, let's see. So in order to, to burn brighter, we need to stoke the fire. We need to throw things in the fire. We need to allow him to fuel our fire so that it can be burned out, burned bigger, you know. Um, well, we don't want it to be burned out. How does a fire get burned out? You make, um, who here has like a bonfire in their backyard or you've been camping before? And uh, you don't feed it. And so it can die out if you don't feed it. You know, it's lit once. It doesn't mean it's going to stay lit forever. Have you ever gone to a conference and you get so on fire? Especially as a youth, you get so on fire. They're crazy. They're wild, you know. Let two weeks go by and not be sowing that. Not be getting into God's presence. That fire will die down. Sadly, because we are supposed to be co-working together with God. Every revival and move of God, if it didn't get kindled, if it didn't get stoked, it didn't continue. Because there's a job that we have to do, which is refueling, which is allowing God to soak the fire, allowing God to keep on fueling us so that we can keep on burning brighter and brighter until the full day. In Proverbs 26, 20, he says, where there's no fuel, the fire goes out. It's very plain and simple. It's pretty common sense. But yet, day in and day out, how many Christians come to church on Sunday and don't spend any time with the Lord the rest of the week? I've been guilty of that before. And you wonder why you're tired, you're weary, or you're even falling into sin. Because you're not built up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Because you're not soaking in God's presence and letting his fuel, you know, fan the flame of God within you. To burn out those things that are hindrances to God. The Lord spoke this word to me and it's very sad. He said, my church is depleted and running on fumes. Yeah, we see little sparks of fires here and there, but it will not continue unless they stoke it. It will not continue unless they continue in their own personal lives to let him fuel that flame. Have you ever run out of gas? Your car. Sadly, like, I mean, actually one time I ran out of gas across the street from the gas station. Luckily, it was across the street from the gas station. But... Then you got to get out of your car, go buy a gas can, yada, yada. It's not fun. You cannot run your gas on fumes. 
right? You can get by as much, and don't do it during the winter especially, but you can get by as long as you want until it finally runs out, but then you're going to be left in a predicament where you're in the middle of nowhere, and you cannot get to where you were planning on going. You cannot accomplish what you were intending to accomplish. You cannot get those errands done that you were intending to get done. You, you're, I have an unsuccessful day. Why in the world do we think that we can do what God's called us to do, go where God's called us to go, accomplish what God's called us to accomplish, and live on fumes spiritually? One tank of gas on Sunday mornings is just not going to do it. Yet, probably 90% of Christianity does it that way. And even probably 10% of that 90 that that uh, percentage that does go to church is online right now. There's no virtual gas. <laughs> you need to go in the spirit and you need to get refueled. Sorry, people online watching. I release the spirit of God to you. But go somewhere in person too and fellowship with believers. And be used by God. Don't sit on your couch. We cannot run our car on fumes. And so we cannot run. God says we are the vessel of the Holy Spirit. We are the vehicle of the Holy Spirit. And he cannot run on fumes. We got to fuel up. We got to stoke the fire. How do you do that? You get into his presence and you let him fill you up. Stop being so anxious. Stop being so quick to move. If his presence shows up, stop being so like. <laughs> do you notice he doesn't do that anymore? No. <sighs> we cannot run on fumes. I think about Moses, you know, we look up to Moses, you know, he was up on the mountain. <laughs> We looked up, looked up them. Um, how can we expect to shine the glory of God the way Moses did? You know, we know he he came from a from a time with the Lord, and his face shone with the glory of God. I mean, people were going to listen to what he had to say because his face shone with the glory of God. How can we expect to shine like Moses by simply going to church on Sunday morning? Oh, we checked the box. We did our religious, you know, thing for the week. Um, or, yeah, we're serving God because we went to church. That's not a relationship with God. As much as I love seeing your faces, that's not all God's requiring of you so that you can shine, so that the world can see our God is God. Is that all that he required of Jesus? Because we are not greater than our master who stayed up all night in prayer at times, who fasted 40 days and 40 nights so that he could be endued with power from on high. Why did he have a following? Because he stoked his fire and people came to watch him burn. Exodus 34, 28 through 35. Moses was there with the Lord for 40 days. Doesn't that sound interesting? 40 days and 40 nights without eating bread, drinking water. And he wrote on the tablets 
of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. When Moses, after that time of what? Soaking in God's presence, of being with God, of stoking the fire of God within him. Moses came down from the Mount Sinai with two tablets of the covenant in his hands, and he was not aware. You can feel like yourself after being with the Lord. You can just feel like yourself and have no idea the impact that you're making upon the world around you. But eventually, I'm sure you'll figure it out because of the reaction of, of, of people and what God's doing in their lives. But he came down. He was not aware that his face shone radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. When Aaron and the Israelites saw Moses' face, they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them, so Aaron and all the leaders of the community came back to him, and he spoke to them. After all the Israelites came near to him, he gave them the Ten Commandments of the Lord that God gave him on Mount Sinai. When Moses finished speaking with them, he put a veil over his face. But whenever he entered back into God's presence to speak with God, he removed the veil and he came out and he would tell the Israelites what had been commanded. They saw his face again was radiant and then Moses would put the veil back over his face when he went in to speak with the Lord. Notice there was a habit here that Moses had formed. Come out, do the work of the Lord. Go back in and get refueled. Come out and do the work of the Lord. Go back in and get refueled. This was his life, in and out. And he was in the Old Testament where he had to put this veil over so people could, could, could stand it. But now we're in the New Testament. The veil has been removed. And we can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. The whole point is so that we can show the way to God. God says, don't light a lamp. Back in the day, they lit the lamp, you know, fire. And put it under a bushel. Let it burn for all to see. Set it up so that everyone can see. But so much of Christianity is so intertwined with the world and with the sin and with the things of this world, they have snuffed out the fire that should be burning brightly. So like there's some who are depleted because they just let it kind of burn out. And then there's some that are snuffing out their own fire by allowing sin, like your dream, in their lives. That they've become, they've become commonplace. They've become no big deal. They're actually accepted by other Christians that they're living this way so that it becomes normal to the world. But still displeasing to God. If he's asking of you things and you don't do it, it's disobedience. 2 Corinthians 3.18, so all of us who have had the veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord, who is the Spirit and makes us more and more like him as we're changed into his glorious image. That's how it's meant to be for all of us, to show and reflect the glory of God, to, to be a fire that burns so brightly so everybody can see. Matthew 5.16, in the same way, let your light shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Don't snuff it out. Don't let it dwindle. Let it burn bright so that others may see your good deeds and glorify the Father in heaven. Notice that he says, see your good deeds. I believe that if you will let God fuel the fire, you're going to have miracle signs and wonders happening, and they will see good deeds. I'm not just talking about, yes, it was nice that we fed the homeless yesterday, but I, I, he's not talking about just that. 
you're going to shine brightly. Others are going to follow you. They're going to notice there's something different about you. You've been with God. And they'll have your, you'll have their attention. They'll listen to what you have to say like they did Moses. God commands us, let our, our light shine or our fire burn brightly before men so that they may know our Father in heaven. But many of us put bushels over our fire and let it snuff out because of sin. Many of us have lit a fire when we got saved, and that's the last time we refueled. Unless we by chance showed up at a Holy Ghost service and got filled up because God was pouring out his spirit. But then that's even going to dwindle if you don't keep stoking it. There's a really, it's just common sense. A fire goes out if you don't refuel it. A car runs on fumes if you don't refuel it. You spiritually will run on fumes and stop at some point, and you'll stop shining your light. Or the fire will go out, and it'll just be smoke. And we all know nobody can see in smoke. In Luke 24, 49, Jesus is talking to the disciples, getting them prepared, telling them that he's going to be going away and telling them what they're going to need to do in order to keep this fire burning. And he says, behold, I send forth the promise of my father upon you, but wait, but tarry in this city until you're clothed with power, or another version says fire, from on high. Jesus saw it so important that they would stoke their fire, that they would let him refuel them to overflowing till it was so strong, till it was on them, not just in them, not just I have this little tiny fire on the inside of me, and if I open up the whatever that is on the, um, back in the day, the furnace, <laughs> the little door, then you can see the little fire. But no, it's so on me, it's so engulfed, you know, them that they could see it upon their heads. And people saw that they had been with Jesus. And people gave their lives to the Lord by the thousands after they had allowed God to refuel them by waiting in Jerusalem. What were they waiting? They were waiting upon the Lord. They were fellowshipping with one another and with the Lord. They were breaking bread and they were, they were giving thanksgiving to the Lord. And they were giving of their, their, their time and their, um, their you know, sacrificially giving um, offerings and things to, to the work of the Lord. And it says not one of them were without whatever it was they needed. The supply was there. But God says, wait, this is so important. I know that you have the wisdom because you've been following me for this number of years and you know what to do because I sent you out and you laid hands on the sick, you saw them recover and you saw people um, be delivered and you're going to go out and do this stuff. And you know what? Many of us have been sitting in here 30 years and we know what to do. We have the instructions, but we lack the fuel that drives. Had his disciples just had the knowledge and not waited in the upper room for that fire to burn brightly, they would have not had the impact that turned the world upside down from just 120 people. 
Thousands would not be added to the church just because one person is going out there as much as, you know, it sounds nice and it's good and everything. One person's out there evangelizing, just doing the work of God. Yes, that's good. But if they would do it after being refueled on a daily basis, like Moses, like Jesus, like the disciples in the upper room, there would be a greater impact. Acts 1.8, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will be filled with power. The fire indicates power. Fuel indicates power for the vehicle, right? To start a bonfire, we often use fuel as well. Oil, what is that? Kerosene. We fuel gas. We fuel it with, we fan that flame with fuel. He says, and you will be my messengers throughout Jerusalem, through Judea, the distant provinces, and to the remotest parts of the earth. He's asking a lot of them on their own strength. But yet he's really not asking them to do it. He's asking them to do it by the power and the fire of the Holy Spirit. If they will just wait, they'll see this fire and they'll follow you. They'll listen to you. And miracle signs and wonders will happen. There is no other way to reach this world. He told us, go out into all the world and preach the gospel. He told us this. But if we go out without the power, we go out without the waiting for him to refuel our fire on a day-to-day basis, we're going to run on fumes. We're going to run out, and we're not going to accomplish as much as he would have liked us to accomplish just like us running errands when we go out of, (laughs) run out of gas. There's a reason Jesus said, don't go anywhere until you do this. Don't go anywhere until you're clothed with fire. Acts 2, 1 through 3, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord in one place, and suddenly... There came a sound from heaven like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues of fire that sat upon each one of them. They had been waiting on the Lord, I don't know, 10 10 or so days of constant waiting, of constant refueling, of constant yielding themselves. Maybe there was a process. Maybe first God was asking them to throw those things that would hinder them in the fire. Then maybe God was asking them, come on, enter into my presence with thanksgiving, my courts with praise. Then God starts asking them to, to give sacrificially. What is he doing? He's seeing what kind of sacrifice. What kind of life would they deny themselves? Would they lay themselves down for the cause of Christ? So over the course of this 10 days or so, they're up in the upper room, and God is fueling the fire. It's burning brighter and brighter and brighter till the full day, and the Spirit of the Lord is upon them. And now they're anointed to preach the good news. See, there is an infilling of the Holy Spirit, but then there is a Spirit of the Lord is upon me, totally different. There is a total difference and that being so filled to overflowing that you're not controlled any longer by your flesh, but you're controlled by the Spirit. You've yielded and laid down your life so that the Spirit of God can live through you. 
Christ in me, the hope of glory. In him, I live and I move and I have my being. No longer does my life belong to myself. My life is not my own. I have been bought with a price. See, that's what he's requiring. Throw in the fire the things that have taken his place so that you can burn for him. Look at how they live their lives after they're filled with, it wasn't just like a one-time like, oh man, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Like this would have dwindled for them. Even after that supernatural day of Pentecost, had they let it, you know, run on that gas, run on that filling of the Pentecost until there was no more, you know. No, they had to keep on going in. Keep on coming together. Keep on spending time in the word and in prayer. In Acts 2, 42 through 47, and they continued so they went out, did the work, and then they came back in and continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. What is that? In the word of God. In fellowship, in breaking of bread, and in prayer. Fear came upon every soul, and many signs and wonders were done by the apostles. These are the results of being so on fire that the spirit of the Lord is upon you. This is an automatic that just happens. You can't work it up. You have to have him on you so, so that he can move and have full reign. They all believed were together and had all things in common. They sold their possessions and goods. This is just all part of revival, what happens. Um, so, sold their possessions and goods and parted to them all men. Every man had everything they needed. And they continued daily in one accord in the temple. Daily. And I'm not just talking about this temple. We are the temple of the living God. And I know that there's going to be seasons and times to continually come together. But the thing is that we have direct access to the Lord Jesus Christ. Come boldly to my throne room. This is what he's expecting for us to do. Daily coming together. Daily coming together with Jesus to the throne room of God and be refueled or refined by the refiner's fire. They continue daily with one another in the temple, breaking bread from house to house. They ate their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, they had one focus, to do the Father's will. There was no self-agenda. That was over. They had died to self. Now they found out their real life, this kind of life that we are yearning for and our, 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 our spirit yearns for and the whole earth is yearning for, the manifestation of the sons of God to be revealed. This is what they encountered, that this life is much greater than the life I used to live, the life of self. Praising God and having favor with all people, the Lord continued to add to the church daily. Do you see how these dreams are a direct response to, to, it's just scripture. When you get rid of sin, when you lay down your life and shut the door on the enemy, he starts multiplying to the church. Adding to the church. It's just an automatic. Miracle signs and wonders start happening. They continued to be filled until revival broke out. They continued in prayer and, and in giving until revival broke out. And they continued until revival continued. This is very important because God is doing something amazing in this earth, in, this, in the U.S., and... Um, 
if we don't want it to stop, we're going to have to learn the key ingredient is fuel. And that fuel, it, ooh, that fuel is not given by impartation of some other person who paid the price so that you can then burn. I'm going to talk about that in a minute again. So the question remains, how can I refuel my fire? How can I burn for Jesus? How can I let my light shine before men so that they can know my Father in heaven? How are they going to know? They're going to know because God sent a preacher. And how is that, pre how is that preacher going to demonstrate that they know God? Miracles, signs, and wonders. It's not just the salvation. The signs and wonders are to show them that our God is the one. He's alive. If we're not demonstrating these things to them, how are they going to know? And how are we going to demonstrate these things to them unless we are on fire for him and burning? So Isaiah 40, 29 through 31 is key. He gives power to the weak. When you're depleted, Come to me, all of you who are weak and weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. When you're depleted, where do we get our source of strength? Jesus. Come to me. He gives power to the weak. To those who have no might, he will increase strength. Even youth back there on the back row, even youth will grow tired and weary. And young men, you're going to fall in exhaustion trying to serve God on your own strength. You wonder why you struggle with your flesh. You wonder why you're falling into sin. You're not living up to the par. Because you're not refueling with the fire of God that burns out the sin of this world, the things that seem to hinder. But those who will wait, listen, it's only those who will wait. He will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings as eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. Moses and Jesus learned the key ingredient, which was fellowship with the Father. They pulled away from, from the to-dos of this world to spend time refueling. Spend time with the Father. As we spend time with God in his presence, God told me he will fuel our fire with the Holy Spirit power and glory, and he will strengthen us in our inner man by his spirit. We know Zechariah 4, 6, it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's all by the spirit of God. You can't do this. It sounds all good, it sounds all exciting, but the thing is, if you try this on your own strength without refueling, without getting into God's presence on a day-to-day -day basis, not waiting for Sunday or Wednesday, not waiting for that special prayer meeting once a month, but day-to-day, You're going to run out of strength. You're going to be depleted like God's talking about the church, the body of Christ. Your fire is going to be snuffed out. And I know God wants to use you in these last days. A while back, the Lord spoke to me as I was coming into the knowledge four or five years ago of, of soaking in his presence the Lord spoke to me very clearly, and he said, as I waited upon the Lord and just sat, I mean, literally, his presence was there. I had worshiped him and, and was praying in the spirit and stuff, but his presence was in my bedroom. I had sat there, and the Lord spoke to me, and he said, many find this 
sitting there, refueling to be such a hard task. But it is where they would find joy unspeakable and be filled, or we could say be fueled with my glory. This is it. This is where it's at. Yet we have glory culture two times a month just to teach you how to do this very thing. And out of, we'll say, 60 to 75 people, we've got a regular 8 to 10 that show up to learn how to stoke their fire. There's reason for the things that we do so that you can learn how not to be depleted. So that you can then continue on on your own. In Psalms 1, um, 18, 28, the Lord, you, O Lord, keep my lamp burning. There's no one else who can. You, O Lord, keep my lamp burning. My God turns my darkness into light. How are we going to be ready, fit vessels for the master's use? How are we going to let our light shine for the world to see our God is God? How are we going to have the power um, to do miracle signs and wonders? Letting him refuel you. Waiting upon the Lord. Letting him fill you up in his presence. Be still and know I am God. When you get into his presence with thanksgiving, his courts with praise, when you come to that throne room boldly and you sit at the feet of Jesus, you can't help but leave stronger than before. You can't help but leave with vision and purpose of what he wants to do with you. It's not something you even have to try to work up. By the power of his spirit, he starts leading, guiding, and directing you and showing you what he wants you to do. In Luke 12, 35 through 40, he says, Be dressed and ready for service and keep your lamps burning. Keep your fire burning. Like servants waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet, so that when he comes and knocks, they immediately open the door for him. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching and lamps burning, Watching when he comes, truly I will tell you, he will dress himself to serve and um, will have them recline at the table and come and he will wait on them. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them ready, even if he comes in the middle of the night or towards daybreak. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You also, and God's talking to the church here, must be ready for the Son of Man will come in an hour when you least expect him. He expects us to have our lamps burning. He expects us to be so fueled with the fire of the Holy Spirit that wherever we go, our light is shining so we can bring more people into the kingdom of heaven. And it's good for us if he finds us and our fire is burning. Not so good if we're being lazy, because that's what it is. You don't wanna, you'd rather watch that TV show than spend an hour with the Lord. Now, he might be totally fine with that certain TV show, but if he's asked you to spend time with him first and you don't do it to you, it's sin. Obedience is first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And all these things will be added unto you. God tells us, he commands us, keep your lamps burning. Watch and wait for me. 
Let that light shine. Let that fire burn so all may see. How can we let it burn? How can we continually fuel this fire? It sounds hard, you know. It's just getting into God's presence. God says in Ephesians 5, 18 through 20, don't be drunk with wine. In other words, don't focus on the things and the ways of the world. But because that will ruin your life. Instead, be or continue being filled with my spirit. He gives us some ways. Singing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, making melody and music in your heart to the Lord. Giving thanks to God for everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's like, this is the way. Wait upon me. Get into my presence and then wait upon me. And you'll continually be filled. Continue doing this and you'll keep on being filled. It's not a once filled, once fill up your car, once get that fire started and it'll always burn. It's not the case. With Christianity, with our spiritual walks, it's not the case. We have to let him refuel. And he says, continue to be filled. Continue going into my presence. Continue waiting upon me. And let me refuel you. Amen? We cannot, we got to get this out of our heads. I know it's part of Christianity and it's, it's the way of the world right now. Um, even religion is in church on Sunday mornings, people. And they're not being fueled to live a life worthy and pleasing and honoring to God. We cannot associate ourselves, meaning like, yeah, we want to, you know, be with them and show the light. But I'm saying we cannot do everything that they do and think we're going to stay fueled. Our lives are set apart. They're different now. Our lives belong to him, and our real life is in him. So we got to die to ourselves daily, take up our cross daily. What does that look like? Spend time with Jesus daily. Welcome the Holy Spirit to lead you daily. Sometimes he might have you read the word, then pray in the spirit, then spend some time in worship. Sometimes he might have you worship and, and, and praise and then sit at the feet of Jesus. Either way, he tells you, seek me first. Don't put him in a box. Matthew 25, 1 through 13, the parable of the ten virgins at the time, the kingdom of heaven will be like the ten virgins who took their lamps. This is where I'm coming back to what I said before. At the time, the kingdom of heaven will be like the ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five of them were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them, fuel for the fire. The wise ones, however, took oil in their jars along with their lamps. They had been fueled up with the power of the Holy Spirit. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom! Come out and meet him! All the virgins woke up, trimmed their lamps, but the foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil! Our lamps are going out! They're going out. Their reply was, no, there may not be, be enough for both of us. Instead, you must go and sell and buy oil for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. 
Later, the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open your door for us. But he replied, truly, truly, I tell you, I don't even know you. Therefore, keep watch. Again, God's saying, keep watch. Be ready with your lamp burning. How do you keep it burning? With fuel. How do you get that fuel? Get into his presence daily. Because you don't know what hour he returns. Listen to this. We cannot rely on someone else's fuel. They were left behind because they depended on leadership's fuel. You may expect us to go in and come out with the presence of God because that's our job. Our job is to teach you to do the work. Our job is not to fuel you. Your job is to go to the one who gives the fuel. They weren't ready and they couldn't get it from someone who had the fuel. Just because you know somebody who knows how to get the fuel doesn't mean you can get the fuel unless you go get it yourself. This is what God showed me this morning. I was like, it's not just about knowing where to get the fuel. It's about you going in, spending time with the Lord and letting him refuel and fan your flame and your fire. We must be filled by pursuing God with all of our own heart, our own soul, our own mind and strength. Do you see and I see why God's not pleased? And it's, it's, it's good to be, to be um, hungry for the things of God and and. and Find out where God's fire is and go there and go there and go there and go there. God sees that hunger. But learn. Why do they have the fire? Is they're going into the presence of the Lord. They're seeking God with all of their heart, soul, and mind. And he said, he who seeks me with all his heart, soul, and mind, I will be found by them. You're going to encounter Jesus. That wasn't just by accident. I said that. When you seek God with everything you got and you're going in and you're letting him refill you, you encounter Jesus. And when you encounter Jesus, you can't help but be changed from glory to glory into his image, into his likeness, and burn bright for him. We cannot rely on someone else's fuel. We cannot live off of an impartation from someone else who learned how to get fueled. We must pursue God with all of our own heart, soul, and mind. Us having our oil lamps filled and fueled, us burning brightly is greatly needed for this world to see our God as God. In order for us to usher in this last great day harvest, 
God needs people lighting their lamps. God needs people having their flames burning brightly with the fire of God. If we want them out there to be ready for Jesus' return, we're going to have to be ready ourselves and stoke our own fire. Revival is Christians returning to their first love. Revival is worshiping God in spirit and in truth and catching the Father's eye because of the worship. Revival is being so filled with the glory of God that you shine so that the world can see your God is God. Because when Christians will really truly act like Christians, it will be the book of Acts again. We'll turn the world upside down. So many thousands on a day-to-day basis will come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Why? Because we will be walking, talking images of Jesus Christ. It won't look much different than when he walked this earth. Only it'll be by the millions, billions. And then I heard the Lord say this when I was seeking him this week. I, um, it was Sunday afternoon. We had a great service last Sunday. God's presence was real strong, and Nick did a dance for us. It was awesome. If you missed it, go back on the video. You can watch it. Um, just a Holy Spirit jig. Anyways, after service, and I just knew in my spirit, like, this marks a move of God. This marks the start of a, of a real, radical, true, authentic move of God, like, last week starts that day, and uh, I just knew it in my spirit, and then, um, you know, I came across some prophecies by some prophets um, that said, (laughs) which I know this has happened in the past, but it said, and I felt like it wasn't by coincidence, um, Bob, Prophet Bob Jones, um, who passed in, I think, 2014, gave this word that when the Chiefs win the Super Bowl, that will start the marking of revival. Who won? Okay, and so I just felt like, because I already knew in my spirit this starts the day of something that God's been waiting for, and uh, and then I was just kind of meditating on what's going on at these different college campuses and stuff, and and I was just like, man, God, you're moving. It's 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 the word was true, and 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 I even see, and He says, don't despise the day of small beginnings. I don't care if there was 10 people. We sensed the spirit of God in here last Sunday, and he was moving in a supernatural way. And I knew this starts the mark. And then all of a sudden I saw what was going on in the rest of the U.S. And I'm like, it does. It really, truly does marks the mark, the start of something supernatural. And I heard the Lord say as clear as day, he said, I'm coming down to visit in different areas of my choosing. He said, This is the season of visitation from God. He said, this is going to happen. I mean, this is coming so clearly. He said, this is going to happen all over the place where true worshipers are worshiping me in spirit and in truth. It can't be because, like, a good band got up and just, like, you know, sang the songs everybody likes to sing. Like, that's not revival. We're talking about people's flame starts burning bright that they don't care what other people think and they're evangelizing they're telling people about jesus suddenly they don't care anymore what 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 the world thinks or what they're accomplishing in the natural but they're concerned about the spiritual lives of people around them that's revival you care about what god cares about not what you cared about 
all right? So John 4.23, obviously, God, just when he speaks, it's really just scripture. And this is the scripture he said, but the time is coming, but listen to this, indeed, it's here now. When true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, the Father is looking for those to worship him in that way. Hallelujah. Just bear with me a couple more minutes. I'm almost done. This week, I didn't tell Amber what I was speaking on. She, I'm telling you your vision, by the way. Um, <laughs> um, she told me, so it was after I already knew what I was speaking on. I already wrote the message like Tuesday, and she texted me. Uh, I had a vision while I was spending time with the Lord, and she said, in the vision, I saw a white fire starting to burn on the map of the U.S., and I saw it starting to spread outward, and then I saw it spread to the whole world. The white fire spreading over the whole earth. And then she said, I heard revival. Then I heard strongly three times, he is coming, he is coming, he is coming. Why does God want us to burn with the fire of God? So that more people can know him. Why does God want us to refuel? Why is he teaching this for us to refuel? Why is it so important? Why has he to told me my, my job is to usher in his greater glory? How is that going to happen unless God's people are filled, refueled with his glory on a day-to-day -day basis? That is what is going to usher in the second coming of Christ. He is not um, um, being lazy or, in, you know, he's he's waiting because he wishes that none would perish and that all would come to repentance. He's waiting for the believers, the church, to shine brightly so that the world can see he's God. And the earth groans with expectations, birth pains, wanting to know who our God is and who God's people are. Take the bushel off. Get the sin out and burn brightly for him. Draw close to God, James 4.8 tells us. And he will draw close to you. It's so simple, people. It's so simple. Get with Jesus. Spend time with Jesus. Let the Holy Spirit lead and guide your time. Sense his presence. Be still and know he is God. Let him speak to you. Let him refuel you. Let him give you vision. Keep on. Like the book of Acts, they kept on going in, fellowshipping, breaking bread, focusing on the Lord, focusing on what he had. Moses, he'd go out and do what God told him to do, then he'd go back into the tent of meeting and meet with Jesus. This is supposed to be our life. Meeting with Jesus. Hallelujah. Romans 8, 19, if you're taking notes. Everything that God has made, the whole earth is waiting with excitement for the time when he will show the world who his children are. The world wants very much for this to happen. Why? Because they have something on the inside. There's a void that only God can fill. And they will not know without you being the preacher. They will not know unless you're shining your light. And you won't shine your light if you're depleted. If your fire has gone out. And don't try to get it through 
just an impartation. And a minister lays hands on you, that fans the flame of God, and that will last for a little bit. But understand, you go in. You seek the face of God. Those bride, um, those um, bridesmaids or whoever they were, <laughs> they, those brides, there was 10 of them. 10 of them, five of them were ready. Five of them were getting refilled. Five of them were ready for him to return. Five of them had, you know, let their light shine. The other five weren't ready. They knew they had the knowledge. They knew they needed oil. They knew they were waiting for his return. Yet they didn't do what God told them to do. And then they tried to get it from ones who had it already. Because they did the job. We cannot depend on, on your ministers. You cannot depend on the fivefold ministry. You cannot depend on other people to get you fueled. You go in and seek the face of God with all your heart, soul, and mind. You go and, and, and talk to God and spend time with him in his presence. We're here to fan the flame. We're here to encourage you and show you what to do. Your job is to do it. Hallelujah. Each one of us was made to manifest the glory of God. Each one of us was made and we're supposed to be desiring God to fill us up, to fuel us up every day. Every day. So I just want to encourage you, I'm not kind of pray this over you, but make this a prayer of your everyday life in the morning, throughout the whole day. Make a habit of asking, Father, I ask you, fill me afresh with your spirit. Father, fan the flame of God within me. Refuel me, Lord, with your Holy Spirit. Fresh oil, Lord. Father, I come to you to drink. He said, those who are thirsty, come to me to drink. I come to you to drink. Naturally speaking, like my mouth is parched right now, we need water to function. Spiritually speaking, we need water to function. The Spirit is the water. He is the living water. He is who we are to be living by. Make it a habit of asking him to refill you. Luke eleven thirteen 13 says, If imperfect parents know how to lovingly care for their children and give them what they need, how much more perfectly will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit and his fullness when his children ask? So ask in faith for the Father to fill you. Matthew 7, 7, he says, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be open to you. So do you see how both instances, there's something we have to do? Yeah. It's not an automatic. We can't just sit around and wait for this sovereign move of God when he has asked us to do something about it. Seek him while he can be found. Amen. Hallelujah. Just praise you, Jesus. Come on up here. God has something for you. <laughs> um, yeah, why don't you come here? Anyways, I saw this in the vision and I was waiting for it because, like, the Lord, yeah, just helped, help him out. <laughs> um, I don't know. I just follow what I see. You know, I just, typically I don't call my own husband out, but um, I just follow what I see. God shows me, and then Jesus said he only did what he saw his father doing, right?
Scott has something for you. But I just saw myself lay hands on his belly. And I just hear God say, fan the flame of God within you through the laying on of hands. Right now, Lord, I thank you that you, Jesus, not I, but you, Christ in me, the hope of glory, lays hands on Clayton and fans the flame of God because he has such a purpose, such a plan, you don't even understand. But by the power of his spirit, revelation, knowledge, wisdom, and understanding into the heart of God will be revealed to you. But remember, it's not by your own might or power, but by the spirit of God and the fire of God that burns within you. In the name of Jesus, Lord, just fan that flame. Fire burn bright. What you did before is going to be accelerated exponentially by the power of the Spirit. Hallelujah. Yes. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now you can take over. <laughs> um, I gave her a kiss. I, when she prays for you, please don't give her a kiss. 